Welcome to The Wind Down, an afternoon podcast where two techie blokes sit down over a bowl of wine and chat about what's happening in the world of tech. Enjoy while Scott and Nick open up about their week in technology. Well, ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to The Wind Down. I'm Nick and with me I have... Scott. Hello, Scott. How are you? Hello, Nick. It's good seeing you again. Yes, yes, absolutely. Now, Scott, where are we? What are we drinking? Yes, we are, of course, still still remote at the moment. Uh, lack of specific public places we are able to get to, uh, but that's all right. But I've, I've got a I've got an interesting bottle this this week that I thought I'd, uh, I'd try out. So uh, last week, I remember you managed to get hold of a half bottle of something, which is quite cute and i thought oh, hang on how do, how do i do one better than this that's easy i get one of these little 20 percent bottles oh now, wow where did you find that <laughs> yes well this this actually came from if i turn it around there's a little Qantas logo on the back of it it came from a plane so you now, stole it from a plane awesome <laughs> well it, it may have fallen into my bag or something i, I don't know <laughs> as they were going on around on the trolley but um this this is actually a 2010 broken wood shiraz so it's not it's not mm-hmm. your average sort of plain one it's actually quite a, a good plain one which is probably why it made it into my bag um but uh i thought now how well do these sell up compared to how you would normally do it in them, you know, a bottle of a cork, probably. Well, you know, is this the equivalent of of doing that? So, you know, we might as well try this out. So I did. I've got. I'm on the edge of my seat now, Scott. How is it it's in the terrible. plastic? <laughs> I was going to say <laughs> this is. Um, it's pretty much turned. It's not. Uh, yeah, but look, that was an interesting thought. Anyway, I thought <laughs> what a great experiment. I wonder how it would have been five years ago. You know, it's it's not a bad wine. A lot of the airline wines I've found going around various flights, if you remember what they are. Um, Ages ago, yes. Yeah, they're they're very average sort of volume bulk production wines. And yeah, drink now, quick, this week, not next week sort of stuff. And um, but this um, this is actually quite a good um, a good drop by itself. So I've just left it too long, I think. Yes, I'm a big fan of the broken wood. Well, I have I have another half bottle today. It's the Sit Stay Society. Um, Toby Shrash Tempranello from 2019. Um, it's very yummy. It's far more yummy than your unfortunate plastic aged broken wood. But, but <laughs> they, there you go. And I'm a massive fan of all the broken wood wines, right? So, mm. so right, it, is, it is. A, it is a shame. But it, um, it's not a broken wood issue. No, this is a user issue. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, as we say in the industry, a PBCAC problem between the yes. back of the chair and the keyboard. Um, so <laughs> moving on, um, today, considering everything that's going on, supply chain issues and being able to access stuff and supermarkets not being open, and our, uh, obscurely our Prime Minister today saying that um, um, he thinks we should lower the age that you can drive a forklift and allow children to drive forklifts because we don't have enough forklift drivers now. I don't know about you, but I've seen forklifts and they, they, they're scary. They're um, scary with train drivers on them. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Wow. So um, we're going to talk about business con- business resiliency, but let's before we talk about resiliency itself, let's do and go back in history and talk about how it used to be. And like in 96, when I started in commercial IT, we had disaster recovery. Um, yes. All these buildings all over the place with chairs and desks and keyboards and rooms where your staff Ooh. could go if something obscure happened, like your building collapsed, because <laughs> that, that wouldn't happen happens. to anybody, would it? <laughs> how, how often would that happen? 
Well, it's happened to us. So those of you who yeah. followed along, our corporate office collapsed um, a year or so ago. So, so mm. we're used to that. But but talk to me about that. And obviously, you know, you were in commercial IT around about the same time. What was that whole trend about? Yeah, so there there was this thing about um, assuming the the main office could not function. And at that point, it wasn't so much that you'd had gear in data centers and that sort of thing. Your your IT would generally be in your offices somewhere. When What do you do? And in, in most cases, you'd have to show that, look, I've got a copy of my key application somewhere else and I can recover the business to a certain point in time. So there was a, a concept called an RPO, recovery point objective, as in if anything goes wrong, how far back is it? that I can still operate the business effectively from. Like if I go back a week, is that too much of a gap that last week that I'm just going to have real problems with whatever I'm doing? If I go back an hour, okay, that that would certainly work, but maybe that's very expensive. And you get down to where the banks are, where they have to look at, you know, going back seconds and that's sort of, and the, the, the shorter the time exponentially, the larger the cost. Yeah, so that's the RPO, the recovery point objective. What point do I get yes. back to? But you also have the RTO. How long does it take me to get back to that point, right? Exactly. And if it takes a week to get an hour back, you're sort of, well, what's the point? Yep. Yeah. Now, I, I knew in the UK, I don't know if it's the same in Australia because I haven't done that much work in you know, IT and banking. But in the UK, if a retail bank couldn't trade for 72 hours, mm. you put your banking license at risk. Is that the it's, same here? It's the same here with the the APRA licensing, um, uh, the Australian Prudential Regulatory Authority. Yes, that's look, one. I got that right. You got um, that right. Well done. Yes, the, there are requirements that you have to be able to uh, respond to customer queries and things like that within a respectable amount of time. Mm-hmm. Cool. So that's and that's the old days. Out. Yeah. Now there was this wonderful thing that came out of the UK which is now called ISO 27001, but was Ah. at the time called the Information Technology Infrastructure Library, or ITIL. And ITIL told you how to run information technology. And they coined this phrase, business continuity planning. So, So what would you see the difference between disaster recovery and business continuity planning, Scott? And look, this, this is really important because people confuse them. Uh, and from an IT point of view, we've got to be very clear where the, the sort of line lies. So let's say you're a small business or you're a business and you've got you know 10 servers running gear or whatever it was as it used to be. Disaster recovery says we can recover those servers at your other location, not a problem. You know, we can restore a backup, we can live synchronize data, whatever it is, however we get the data over there and do it, doesn't really matter so much. The fact is we can recover those servers somewhere and make them accessible to the business. That's disaster recovery. Business continuity, though, looks at business processes. And all of a sudden, if you think your business processes don't change because you're in a DR environment, you'll be very surprised because maybe not everything is in the DR environment. Oh, look, DR is in a different location. Oh, how do we operate if we're not there? Oh, there's all these different things. And you've got to have a specific set of processes around how to operate in that environment as well, knowing that some things will take longer. And the environment won't be all of your office, right? So some people won't be there. That, that's right. You may only have room for a set number of people. Um, there used to be the um, the offsite locations where you would buy perhaps a number of seats every month of office space. Yep. So you, you've got all of You may use it or may not. You've got all of that. But in the scenario we're in today, it's, it's bigger than that, right? Because it's not just one company can't get into one office. It's 
every company is being impacted by people you know, being close contacts or isolating or those sorts of things. So it's a different type of disaster or resiliency you need when suddenly 40% of your staff can't attend the business and can't attend anywhere. They can't go to a remote location. They're not allowed. That's a different type of business continuity planning, isn't it? It is. And look, if, if anything at all has come out of the current sort of COVID scenario, it's that businesses have been forced to look at how do we get people to work remotely? Yep. And that in itself has been, I think, one benefit because it serves multiple purposes. So, so it's funny. When our office collapsed, um, we the company didn't miss a beat. And no. a, a lot of that's not just put down to us being a, an IT company. It's being put down to our, all of our core services. Everything actually was running in the cloud. Yeah, that's right. The, the office was a, a nice place to centralise people and to have them go and we could work as teams there, but it wasn't really any critical resources there. Our systems were in the cloud, our applications were there, uh, and we knew that if anything went wrong, we could access them from anywhere in the world. And that was by design. So the cloud really has changed the game. It, it has. It has, because all of a sudden, aside from applications that used to run on servers that are now available in the cloud as SaaS applications... Yep. Um, there's also the concept of you could also take your other remaining legacy servers and temporarily put them up in the cloud. Not, not as, it's not as efficient, of course, but it, it does work and it's, it gets them off your premises. Yep. So the, the clouds are different. But there's other things that create a single point of failure. So I always joke um, that if I don't know if you've watched the movie Jurassic Park. I assume most people have kind yes. of seen it. You know, none of that would have happened if they'd hired more than one IT guy. That's, that's an interesting view, yes, okay. <laughs> Their single point of failure is the single IT guy. And I look around, yeah, at least in small and medium business land, and mm. I look at the amount of, you know, th those organizations which don't have a, yeah, a managed service provider looking after their environment. They, they don't, things aren't in the cloud. They're still running servers. I can think of some already I've worked with. They've got one IT guy who works in the business because that's really all they can afford is the salary of one mm. IT guy. Their single point of failure is that single individual and what they know and their breadth of knowledge. And that's a risk in business continuity planning as well, isn't it? It, it is. And what, what we've seen more often than not, and this is extremely more often than not, is that that one individual probably doesn't document a lot. Yeah, or at all. Or at all. Such that if someone else has to come in, even if they want to take leave and someone else wants to come in, you're looking at, well, where, where's the documentation on how your platforms work, how your systems work, yep. what links, what's the critical stuff, and it's it, it often doesn't leave that person's head. Yep, no, for sure. So again, it's it's interesting when we talk about today because this new word has hit the media, which doesn't hasn't really hit it a lot before, and it's this concept of the supply chain breaking mm. down, and it's it's suddenly organisations who traditionally never had to having to understand what their supply chain looks like. It's, it, you know, how do I get, you know, the inputs to my business to my business, be it people or materials or equipment or raw materials to then process that, that I need people to then sell that. And so mm -hmm. we've got organizations who, through no fault of their own, are having to turn around and say, deliveries will be delayed. And they can still make their stuff, yes. but no one can deliver it or they can't get raw materials. That's That whole supply chain thing um, is interesting. And I'm not sure smaller businesses really think about that in too much depth. They don't because usually a lot of these services have been sort of taken for granted. Um, and in businesses, it's always the, the squeaky wheel that gets the oil sort of thing. Mm. No one focuses on the things that work 
as the next thing to focus on. There's always something more important until that thing breaks. Look, we, we, it just took us a month to get a package out of um, out of Perth sent across to us. Yeah, did it walk? Uh, it, it, it should have walked. It would have been here quicker. Um, maybe it would have got stuck at the border. I don't know. Um, but, but, I'm going to look up the, on Google Maps how long it takes to walk to Perth, just so we all know. That's interesting, actually, yes. I'll have to think about that. Um, um, directions. I will tell you in, in about... Th- um, I'm going to go from home. Oh, <laughs> let's go from my house. Uh, so almost there. This is the concept, though, that the the couriers of um, and the the transport companies have had reduced staff, able to work, less trucks on the road, and they're trying to prioritise everything that they can. But there's limited capacity, so things get delayed. Thirty days, by the way, to walk from Perth to my house. That's interesting. Seven hundred and forty-two hours. That does mean I think you don't sleep. Yeah, that would be probably a bit unfair. Yes, well, get at least a couple of hours sleep a night. <laughs> there we go. That, that's me being stupid. Anyway, I'll stop that. But that was interesting. So, look, that's all been doom and gloom, right? Mm. But there is a key business tool you use to stop being, stop having the squeaky wheel getting dealt with yes. and actually deal with things based on their likelihood and their impact to your business. And that's that's the thing called a risk matrix, right? Mm, exactly. So. Describe what a risk, risk how, how do I build, if, if I'm a business owner and I'm listening to this, how would I build a risk matrix, Scott? Okay, so let's let, let's say you've, you've got this matrix, um, also called a risk register in some respects, um, where you're actually documenting what the, the risks are to your business. Look at each part of the business or each, it could have a sales part, it could have an operations part, there could be an administration part behind the scenes. All the key tasks that those individual areas do document them as a starting point then look at each of the tasks and identify where are the risks that would stop us performing this task now in the um in in the supply side it could very well be um shipping goods to a consumer that you worked out yeah we just give it to the courier okay what if the courier doesn't turn up what if the uh if they're not able to deliver what if the road gets blocked what all these types of potential risks you identify and then you look at what is the alternative? What, how do we work around this or how do we mitigate the risk to a level that we're comfortable with if that ever occurs? But first you're going to score them, right? You're going to work out. Yes. Yeah, and, and I think there's two metrics we use on a risk matrix. It's the likelihood. Yes. Right? And, and normally when I build one, I use percentages for that. What's the percentage mm-hmm. likelihood, right? Um, um, one of my staff members gets sick. Um, the likelihood of that is 100% because one of my staff members will get sick. Um, and then you work out the impact. What's the impact of that? Well, if one person gets sick, there's none. Um, but if, if this key individual gets sick, then the impact's huge. And you multiply those, divide them by two, and you've got a score. And if you order by score, you work on the biggest ones first, right? Well, well that's just it. Like in, in a year, let's just say there's 200 work days. And mm-hmm. if you allocate 200 days of work to someone, you know that the risk is they, there's one day they're not going to be there or there's a week, or yep. they, they want to take some leave, maybe they need some training, whatever it is. That's a risk. How do you address that? Do you have spare capacity in your people to be able to pick that up? Are you just going to say, no, work hard, work hard, and try to just wing it and see what happens? Are you? <laughs> it's a <laughs> Which, mitigation strategy. I just, it might it not is. be a good one, but it's, a, it, it's it, certainly it a strategy. Um, and I, I will say the existence of the risk register does not assess the quality of the mitigation. 
more the fact that you have identified an appropriate mitigation that the business has said, we are happy with that. As terrible yeah. as some of them may sound, we, we agree on the likelihood that that's quite small. Look, we'll just have to do that. It's yeah. how it is. Cool. That's awesome, Scott. And, and this is our new format where we make these things a little shorter. I think that's enough. I think we've done you know, business resiliency to death. We've talked about some, some bad things and we've given a little pill to make it all better. Yeah, I, I, I will just say that that um, a lot of things when they get moved to the cloud, you think, great, that's all taken care of. The cloud is the cloud. It'll never go down, whatever else. It, look, it doesn't mean don't back up your data. There's still ways we'll have a conversation about that, and we'll have this conversation about that in the great backup debate, right? Yes. Well, there you go. Actually, we we should schedule that shortly because we should. just because it's in the cloud doesn't necessarily mean it's it's safe and secure. Um, and if the cloud disappeared, where's all your data now? Do you have a copy of it? Or if you stop paying or can't afford to pay for your cloud service, where's well, your that's data? interesting. It could get deleted. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, cool. Scott, that was awesome. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you, Nick. All right, no worries. And, and do note, you can, obviously, if you're listening to us, um, you can hear us on audible.com or wherever you get good podcasts. Um, we also do this video every week on Wednesday at about 4.15 in the afternoon, except today mm. because I was sick yesterday. Um, and this is on LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook. But thank you so much for watching and listening. Scott, thank you so much for being a fount of knowledge right. again. Yeah, thank you, Nick. And just a reminder to everyone, if you've got any of those little tiny plain bottles of wine that have been sitting around for more than 10 years, mm, chances are they're not much good. Cool. <laughs> thank you so much. Make sure you like and subscribe. See you, Scott. See you, Nick. Bye. Bye.